Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills, in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. Here's Pastor Ryan. This is Passion Week, as you know. We're commemorating the Lord's uh, final week. Our Lord Jesus Christ, as he uh, came into the world to save us sinners, and uh, he's uh, on his way to the cross, and he is in Jerusalem with his disciples, and um, this is this is that final week. On Sunday, we talked about his triumphal entry. That's what he did on Sunday, and then we're told it was late, and he uh, he left the temple area, and then on Monday, he went back and he cleared out the temple uh, from the money changers that were ripping the people off in the Gentile courts. They turned it into just a, a swap meet, and he went in there and just cleared out uh, the temple, and uh, that was a very beautiful thing that he did. On Tuesday was a day of controversy because there was a lot of... Uh, back and forth with the Pharisees and really warning the people of the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. And then he also spoke uh, on future events, the Olivet Discourse, where he talked about his second coming and the destruction of the temple and all of those uh, future events. And then in, on Wednesday, the Bible's actually quiet. It's, they call it a day of rest. There's, there's nothing that is recorded. Just We're calling it a day of rest. So I should stop right there. <laughs> but on Thursday is the day that he celebrates the Passover meal with his disciples, and he teaches them, and he puts a new meaning to the Passover, as we know. And so tonight, we're going to be talking about uh, the final supper, as it's known in scriptures. Um, and in, so in, in Luke chapter 22, as you know, Jerusalem at the time is completely just packed with pilgrims. The historian, the Jewish historian Josephus said that there was 3 million pilgrims there. And so the place is bustling, crowded, and, uh, and uh, it's the time of the Passover where the Israelites commemorate and remember the time when God saved them from 400 years of slavery in Egypt. It's probably the greatest event in Jewish history. Uh, we know that there's a bigger event in, Jew in Jewish history, which is the crucifixion and resurrection of our Lord. But to them, even today, the Passover is their greatest feast, that greatest, their greatest holiday. And we know that it stems from way back in Exodus, but it really in, in Genesis, we know that uh, the son of of Jacob, Joseph, was hated by his brothers and tossed into a pit and sold into slavery and would end up in uh, Egypt, and that's in Genesis 37, where we read that he ends up in uh, Potiphar's house first, and then he's falsely accused of things, and then eventually ends up in an Egyptian jail uh, dungeon, where when it was God's perfect timing, he raised them up out of that uh, jail cell because he loved the Lord. God had a plan for him. 
And this plan was to use him to save his people. There was a great famine in the land, as you know. And so the Lord raised up Joseph from being in a dungeon in Egypt to being number two in authority just under Pharaoh. So God raised him up. And then, as you know, the story, he ends up bringing his family, his father Jacob and 70 others or 70 total. And they made their home in Egypt under the the, um, favor of Pharaoh. Um, But then as the years went by and God blessed his people, they multiplied and um, a new Pharaoh arose who did not know Joseph and was not kind and uh, made an edict because the the Israelites had grown uh, in population so much that he commanded that all the male babies be killed. And so not only did he do that, but he also um, made life miserable for them as they were there and he enslaved them and they were to uh, make bricks as you know to build treasured cities and so they understood slavery well they lived through it 400 years and they cried out to the Lord and God heard their cry God raised up Moses as you know and he would use Moses to help save his people and with that Let's go to Exodus 12, and we'll read about it. Exodus 12. And give me an amen when you are there. Moses and Aaron were sent by the Lord to speak to Pharaoh that he would, and commanded him to let God's people go. And as you know, Pharaoh would not. And so the Lord sent 10 plagues upon the Egyptians He first turned the water into blood. He then sent frogs and lice and flies and then the death of of livestock. Then he sent boils upon their skins and then uh, hail from heaven and then locusts, then darkness over the land. And that was nine of them. And finally, the tenth plague that would release them is the death of the firstborn. And in chapter 12 of Exodus, that's where the Lord instructs Moses and Aaron, that that's what's going to take place. And so we begin in verse 1 of Exodus 12. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw, 
nor boil at all with water, but roast it in fire, its head with its legs and its entrails. You shall let none of it remain until morning, and what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire. And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Very instructive, very detailed. To take an unblemished sheep on the 10th day of, of Nisan. By the way, this is where, where God establishes the, the religious Jewish calendar at this moment. When he saves them from bondage, from slavery, that's the month of their, uh, of their calendar year. Nisan, which is the word from the Babylonians, but it's Abib in our Bibles, and it is the first. Okay, imagine that. God wanted them to keep a calendar with the first month being the month that they were saved. Isn't that cool? Amen? Yep. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Just beautiful. The blood is a sign. As the blood was placed on the doorpost and on the lentil, the Angel of death, as he came to kill the firstborn of Egypt, those who had the blood of the lamb on the door of their homes would be saved. No one within a home with the blood of the lamb on the door would perish. They were all saved as long as the blood was on the door. And it was, a, you know, I don't think it was a very easy thing for families to do to get an unblemished, wonderful, beautiful lamb, unblemished, on the 10th day of, of, of Nisan, four days before the slaughter. So, you know, they'd get to know this beautiful lamb, and I'm sure the kids would name it, and it would be really a kind of like a family <laughs> pet, if you will, for four days. And then the father of the home or the leader of the home would take that lamb and Sacrifice it, being careful not to break any of its bones. Hang it and drain it and do as the Lord commanded. Take the blood, put in, in front of the whole family just watching this. So it was, it, was, it was a sacrifice. It was difficult. It was, you know, teaching the kids that sin is costly. The sacrifices are, were costly in uh, Israel. Uh, economy since the beginning since the sacrifices were instituted by our lord god is showing us that the animal sacrifices teaches us that sin is costly it's destructive it destroys it kills and it takes something costly 
And there was nothing more costly to the Israelites than their, than their animals. And God was teaching us how costly that was, how, how precious that lamb was, because it was a shadow of things to come of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That his death wasn't just trivial. It, it was awesome in seriousness. It was awesome in its weight, it, in its substance. Christ died for our sins. All of the old uh, rituals and ways are a shadow of things to come. They all pointed to Christ. He is the substance of this. This is why we read that when John the Baptist saw Jesus coming, coming to be baptized, he said, behold, the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. He was referring to the, the, the Passover and how the Lord is our Passover lamb, which the Apostle Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 7. For indeed our Passover was indeed Christ, our Passover was sacrificed for us. Jesus is the Lamb of God, and his blood is the ultimate sign to God that his wrath is not to touch us. Think about that. That all the sins that we ever committed or ever will commit are placed upon the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, the Lamb of God. So that when God the Father sees you and me, he sees us in in robes of righteousness. He sees us as precious and pure and holy as he does his son Jesus. That's hard to understand sometimes when our consciences come against us. The Bible says that when our hearts condemn us, he is greater than our hearts. But the Lord came to purify our conscience. That's something that no religion can do. Only by faith in Jesus Christ can we have our consciences clear. Any disgusting, wicked sin we've ever done, it is gone because of the blood of the Lamb. Exodus 12 was just a shadow, a picture of what Christ would do about 1,400 years after that and 2,000 years for us. He is, the, he is our Passover. In Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, refers to the book of life as the lamb slain, or the Lord, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He is the lamb. He will always be the lamb of God for eternity. When we see our Lord face to face, yes, he's our king of kings and our Lord of lords, but guess what else he is? He's the lamb of God. And the sacrifices, the sacrifice that he made will be clear on the scars on his hands and feet that he'll still have in heaven. 
1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, he said, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. We weren't saved with silver and gold. You weren't purchased that way. We were purchased by the precious blood of Jesus. We were purchased. We were saved. We were redeemed. Egypt is a picture of our old life, the sinful life that we used to live. And as we, as the Israelites were freed from Egypt, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are freed from our past sins. We are saved and rescued out of our past life. Never to return. Don't go back to your old ways. Don't go back to Egypt. Go into the promised land by faith through Jesus Christ. What can we say about our Lord being our Passover? Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that he made us alive. He made you and I alive who were dead in our trespasses. Think about that. How old were you when you gave your life to Jesus? Do you know that your life before that, he considered us dead? Like we weren't even living yet. You know, I didn't start living until a month before I turned 24. Then I, be, I started living. And I lived in all the muck of the world. I, I lived the party life, the gangster life, the, the, the sinful life. I thought I was living, but it was all empty. It was all a waste of time. It was a waste of life. And at 22, 23, I felt like an old man. And then I came to Christ. And I, who was dead in my trespass, says, he made alive. I was born again by accepting him as my Lord and my Savior. And I was alive for the first I can see. What can you see? That the only meaning to my life is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is my meaning in life. I was running in, on, on the hamster wheel trying to find satisfaction, but I couldn't find nothing that lasted. Sin is pleasurable for a season, the Bible says, but then it kills you. It kills you. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Speaking of Satan, we walked according to Satan, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Amen and amen. We are already in heaven. We are already there. Our bodies just haven't. But he looks at us as we're already there. 
All we have to do is get raptured or die. It's a win-win. Ephesians 2.13, that same section of Scripture, he says, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We have been brought near. Revelation 12.11, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to death. That's Christianity. We no longer love our lives even to death. You want to take my life? Then take it. I won't deny my Lord. Like all the martyrs in the early church, they killed women and children who would not deny our Lord. They did not love their lives even to death. That's hardcore. As the kids would say today, that's gangster. That's very soldierly. To love God so much that we will not deny him. We would rather die than to hurt him. We would rather die than to sin against him. I mean, just to have that kind of love because what? Because the blood means so much to us. You ask people, why do you follow Christ? You'll get different answers. I think one of the best ones is because his blood means something to me. That's the background. And the Israelites, the Jews, been celebrating Passover since then. Every day, religious Jews will say a prayer saying uh, from Numbers about, you are the God who delivered us from Egypt. Every single day, they're looking back to when God saved them from Egypt. Can you imagine? In 2023, 90% of religious Jews will be saying that this year. Tonight. April 5th, Nisan 14. Now, verse 1. Luke 22, we there? Now the feast of unleavened bread drew near, which is called Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Then Satan entered Judas, surnamed Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. So he went his way and conferred with the chief priests and captains how he might betray to him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. That's dirty pieces of silver, as we know. So he promised and sought opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of the multitude. Now, the chief priests and the scribes, they sought to kill him. We're told they did not want it to happen during the feast. Okay? And so when they refer to the feast, the Passover in uh, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, it's kind of meshed together, but the reality is the Passover is the first day, and then the Feast of Unleavened Bread is the following day and celebrated for seven days. So it's an eight-day Passover week, sort of say, sort of say, whatever I'm trying to say. It's for eight days. So for those eight days, they don't want Jesus touched because they're afraid of the multitudes. Capiche? 
Judah said, hey, I'll look for, for an opportunity to, to get them to you, 30 pieces of silver, away from the multitudes. They were going to wait till afterwards, after all of the, the Passover week, all of it. That's what they were willing to do. They didn't expect Judas to come out of nowhere and help speed up the plan. It's all in God's timing, all of it, amen? Jesus said, no one takes my life, but I lay it down that I might take it again. Jesus is in full control. And so... Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. We don't.